Racing to work, this record-breaking ultramarathon swimmer suddenly loses her footing and crashes down the stairs, smashing her right leg violently on the ceramic pot below. Her limb begins to blow up from the blunt force trauma, and the swelling won't stop as she's raced to the emergency room. Doctors must work feverishly to save her leg. They have only 30 minutes before they'll need to amputate. You, I couldn't go back. You just put it out there. She said you've got less than a year to just live. Just even deeper. Luck is the residue of design. Nobody else was doing it, so I couldn't. That was the turning point. Welcome to the Bucket Podcast with Phil Cogan. Every week I talk to mavericks, disruptors, and innovators. People who ditch the excuses, swerve off the predictable road, and epitomize what it means to tick it before you kick it. We're all going to go through traumatic events and they're not going to be the way we think they might um, unfold but I hope that most people can look back at that pivotal moment and say you know what at the time I thought that was the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me because at the time it was. Kimberly Chambers is a marathon open water swimmer and one of only a few people to complete the Ocean 7, a challenge consisting of seven open water channel crossings. It's the swimming equivalent of the Seven Summits Mountaineering Challenge. One of the crossings includes the frigid North Canal waters between Ireland and Scotland, where Kim was stung by hundreds of jellyfish and nearly died from hypothermia. In 2015, she became the first woman to swim from the Farallon Islands to the Golden Gate Bridge, a distance of approximately 30 miles, which took 17 hours in shark-infested waters. What makes Kim's story so remarkable is that she was only minutes away from losing her leg 11 years ago from a horrific accident. Not only did she learn to walk again after her life literally came crashing down, but she took up swimming for the first time in her life and became a record-breaking long-distance swimmer. Kim is about facing her fears head-on, refusing to take no for an answer and jumping into the unknown at the very deep end, which for this marathon swimmer literally means the ocean. And for hours and hours on end. Okay, so I am with record-breaking athlete Kim Chambers, and we are in Los Angeles. So you've just flown down from San Francisco to Los Angeles. I have. I have just a quick day trip. Thanks yeah. to you guys. Well, yeah. thank you for yeah. for coming down to talk to us because we we're just so blown away by what you've been doing. Oh, thank you. Well, I still have a hard time associating and relating with it. Actually, I was. It's. Uh, is a little insanity, do you think? Yeah, um, I, not form, formally diagnosed as right. such, but um, more just, I don't know, stretching myself just a little bit further. And yeah. I think most people would see it as crazy, but I really see it as living my life to the fullest. Yeah. Um, I really have, yeah, I love these journeys because they do take you in these realms which are unknown to a lot of people but it's kind of like you know like stretching your arm in a room and you're like oh okay I think I can stretch a little further and maybe not many people have stretched that far but and it's not to say I'm, I'm better than them it's just I've had people encourage me to like push a little bit further and that's how I get into this crazy realm. You seem to like fear I mean you, you you've said that you feel like if you're scared it's sort of what you should be doing. Yes. And, yes. and and don't you think in general, I mean, I, I wrote a book and one of the chapters is face your fear because I'm a b- firm believer that you should face your fear. Yes. It seems to be something you believe. Why do you think it's important for us to face yeah. our fear? Yeah. And I, I, I you know, I, I actually know from experience as, as I'm sure you do, it's, it's about, I think it's human nature to recoil from things that um, scare us, that make us cold, that make us uncomfortable. But I have learned in my, you know, my journeys across the sea is that when you're able to break through that, when you're actually able to put yourself in a position where you are facing something that you are terrified of, and I am scared every time I get in the water. I have not done these swims and said, well, you know, I, with this bravado that this is not a big deal. Um, and once you can break through that fear and you get to the other side, uh, you learn so much about yourself. Um, but it's really hard to step up to that plate and say, I'm going to do something that um, might not work out, in my case, might kill me. Yeah. Um, but I have been fortunate enough to do so many of these, these adventures that I just know that there is always that gift of on the other side of learning more about yourself. 
do you think it becomes easier the more you face your fear does it become easier the next time or no. is it always hard i think because well and something that i have to sort of be conscious of is that you know and the fun thing about open water swimming is you can look at a map and you can say i swam from there to there and so that might be scary and then you tell yourself well if i did that maybe i can do that so it's sort of upping the ante a little bit yeah um but not through having any death wish, not through wanting to do something that's um, irresponsible. It's a very calculated risk, Yeah, if that makes sense. So I wanted to talk about the Ocean 7 because I hadn't even heard of the Ocean mm -hmm. 7 until I started reading about you and your, and your <laughs> life. And you not only completed Ocean 7, but seven other ultramarathon swims all around the world, including the first New Zealander, mm -hmm third woman and sixth person to complete the North Channel swim. So extraordinary achievement. But what is this Oceans 7 swim? What yeah. is this? So the Oceans 7 swim uh, is a challenge. It's the the open water swimming equivalent of the seven summits of mountaineering. So the seven summits, you climb the highest peaks on every continent around the world. Well, these swims are uh, designed to test the athlete warm water cold water different types of wildlife so jelly. what's the history of it how far back so does it go it, uh, a gentleman by the name of steve minotonis who is the guru of open water swimming he yeah. uh, created this challenge because he wanted something that would really tax each of the athletes in different ways and he is a very accomplished swimmer in his own right and there was nothing like this you know that you have the english channel which is one of the seven summits a uh, seven oceans yeah but there are all these other stretches of water that people had started to do, but now because the Ocean 7 is, is the thing, there are more people trying it out. So, for example, the North Channel, I was the, I think, the 26th person ever to cross from Northern Ireland to Scotland, and now we're at about 35. How many miles is that? It's 21 as the crow flies, but just like the English Channel, you actually end up swimming in an S-curve. So you probably I'm, swim about 35 miles. I'm imagining that's <laughs> got to be absolutely bitterly yeah. cold. I'm just thinking yeah. of what it's yeah. like up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've been in America for too long, but 53, 54 degree water, which I think is 14, 15 Celsius. Celsius. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. cold. But we train for it. So, yeah. you know, if, if I got in the water right now, I wouldn't be able to swim it. Um, we we prepare our bodies specifically for these swims and one of the many things I love about this sport is if you put the top marathon swimmers in the world in a lineup you'd never pick them to be these athletes who are able to achieve things that we didn't think were possible um, well but like if you look at the physique say of Diana Nyad right. you know and what an extraordinary swimmer mm -hmm. she is you realize just how tough this person is yeah. as a human yeah. being yeah and I've seen her swimming alongside Olympic male athletes who have yeah. this big, with the big lats and everything, right. and she will swim them out of the water, literally. Right, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's amazing. You know, you look at the triathletes and that, they have all these sinewy muscles and, you know, they have six packs. Yeah. <laughs> Marathon swimmers don't have six packs. Um, but we do train very, very hard. And, uh, you know, I've, I love sharing my story, especially with young girls because of body image yeah. um, issues. and. I have come to learn and to appreciate my body as this vessel mm. and it has to be as seaworthy as possible and so for this vessel for this body to get me from England to France across the English Channel I have to make sure that it is as sturdy as possible and uh, that involves putting on weight um, which is kind of fun did I read you put on 65 pounds 65 pounds, pounds. 65 pounds 65 pounds oh I mean, yeah how do you go putting on 65 pounds <laughs> Oh, let me tell you, Ben and Jerry's, Ben and Jerry's, Ben and Jerry's. Really? Uh, no. I mean, it, it's it's got to be more than, <clears throat> you're yeah. not just putting on body fat, right? I mean, muscle as well? Well, muscle weighs more than fat. So <clears throat> you have these big, big, bulky muscles. I mean, I have two sets of wardrobes. Like right now I'm in my non-marathon swimming wardrobe. Um, but my other wardrobe has uh, a lot of black, a lot of long sleeve Although there was one point when I was in the office and I put my hand up to like fix my hair and I had this incredible Hulk moment. It went like just ripped. Oh yeah, you get, really? you get like, yeah, you're like a Russian so weightlifter. You, you really have two wardrobes. I do. How, I mean, how do you, I'm just trying to yeah. think of what that's like to be 65 pounds yeah. heavier yeah. and then. You know, it, um, there were times when I became very, very self-conscious of course, because yeah. you, you know that that's really, and it's not healthy. I'm sure any nutritionist would say, 
to increase weight like that and then you lose weight during these swims um, it's it's very taxing on the body but there's also um, a concept called well brown fat so in your body through exposing yourself to the cold and Wim Hof uh, mm, the gentleman who yes who sits on the, the ice man the, the ice man yeah so there is this theory and that when you expose yourself to cold conditions or cold water you develop what's called brown fat and it um, materializes around your organs so it's we're all here for survival so even though we're doing these things where our body's saying this no we're not we should not be doing this danger danger your body has this amazing ability to adapt so it actually develops brown fat and if we go back to science class which i had to go back to and double check i think it was in form three it develops heat because it has mitochondria in it mm. so you have this exposure to the cold and then you put on weight as bulk um, and that's your white fat so we call it bioprene like the the uh the wetsuit athletes like have neoprene, neoprene. it's yeah. our bioprene you have the bar yeah yeah so, all right so so go back to the ocean seven <laughs> yeah. swim now so we uh, yeah. the one from from northern ireland to to scotland, scotland. Yep. then you said the english channel the english channel yeah and the cook strait in new zealand, in new zealand which reputedly is the the roughest stretch of water in the world i had dolphins escort me and i mean they were closer closer as you and i are and i was like trying to grab onto their dorsal fin but then i was like no that can't be an assisted swim is this where you were squeaking and they were squeaking or they were yes. squeaking and then you squeaked well back? to be fair they squeaked first right they made the first move and, and then, then you then started I squeaking back. and i i'm to this day i i do feel like there was a communicate a reciprocal communication well, and you felt safe in the water with them I, being you know there. i did in all seriousness it was just like the cavalry had arrived and i yeah. was like oh but um, uh yeah so, so that's that, three so then mm -hmm. another one uh molokai channel from molokai to oh, oahu yeah. so it's the molokai channel they in have Hawaii. the they have the paddling championship they there do, every year they do and that's a very very rough stretch of water there are tiger sharks that frequent that stretch of water and portuguese man of war jellyfish Mm. And I jumped in at Molokai at 8.30 at night to swim towards Oahu. And a lot of people say, well, why do you just jump in at night? And all of these swims are based on the movement of the water and mm. your swim speed. So you always want to be approaching land on what's called a flood. So an incoming strip. Coming on an intide. And that in is only tide. every six hours. So you want to time it right. Yeah. But the conditions deteriorated so much that I had 25 knot winds. Um, the most you want in a solo swim is eight to ten knots so you've just you just all these waves are just pounding you you're swallowing sea water oh, you get um, sores around your mouth and well not not until later oh. <laughs> your, your lips like blow up because of the salt um i looked like i had some terrible plastic surgery then there is uh sugaru channel which is between the northernmost islands of japan from honshu to hokkaido oh. and uh i swam there shortly after the fukushima disaster which note to self probably not, not a good idea not a good idea well it's such a, a a mental exercise meaning it's it's so much mental right you know how to yeah. swim yeah <laughs> a lot of people know how to swim yeah but it's just putting your mind into that place to say i'm going to swim from here to here it's a tremendous distance yeah. i'm going to suffer yes you know there's yeah. no avoiding it yeah you're, you're willingly putting yourself in a situation where you're gonna you're a ticking time bomb for hypothermia uh you're gonna hurt uh, I cry, uh, I vomit sometimes, so it's it's not a glamour sport. <laughs> um, I mean, some people listening might go, "Okay, <laughs> why?" Like, yeah, w I, many reasons why. Um, yeah. you know, it's really when I s said you know stretching yourself, it's about putting yourself in a situation where you get to learn more about yourself, and also, I am the first to say I didn't do any of these alone. Mm. So there's also been these wonderful gifts of the human spirit of generosity of teamwork mm. which is amazing and my mum from New Zealand she's been on the boat and for a mum to cheer for me you know for her daughter who's in a situation which is a little precarious is is, is a big deal for me as her daughter so the the Japanese stretch of water and then where's the, the other um, where are the others? so then uh Spain to Africa straight of Gibraltar oh so Spain to Morocco Ooh. And uh, that's a very, very busy stretch of water. You've well, got. also, there's the water rush, rushing in and out of the Mediterranean yep. Yep. into the Atlantic yep. right mm -hmm. there. And it's so turbulent water. 
very turbulent water. You've got a lot of uh, a lot of boats. Um, you're the only swimmer out there for all these swims. So these are not competitions. Oh, oh, you're the only swimmer out there, of course. I mean, who else would be out there? Oh, just out for a swim. I see you in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> no, Africa. You go. To oh, Africa. oh, you're going the other way. Okay, yeah. But I mean, it's not like yeah, you get yeah. a chance to practice your Arabic. Oh, you were surprised. Yeah. You know, I really thought there would be more swimmers out here. Yeah. I can't believe it. I'm the only one. I know, I know. And there's no lifeguard. You know, no. it's, it's really you don't get such a good deal. But it's it's, it's kind competing of competing yourself. It's kind of a lonely endeavor right because yeah. you're dealing with these demons and again i i, I was exposed to the, the swim that diane and i did yeah. and just listening to her and she's talking about the fact that for so much of it your head is down in the water and mm -hmm. every now and again you're looking up to breathe but yeah. just the idea that you're so in your head by yourself yeah so even yeah. though you know the support boat is just yeah. over there yeah there's a lot going it, on in there it's a very vulnerable um, experience and you know there are specific rules with these swims so you cannot yeah. touch the boat at any time uh, you you don't get on the boat to sleep at night who but came up with these rules by the way I read the rules I don't know I'd like to find this person yeah I mean masochist yeah. I mean seriously yeah. so you can't you just wear a regular swimsuit and goggles okay no matter what the temperature of the water is no matter is. what the temperature is so for a woman it's just a lycra suit so are you allowed to put any because you see people put fat yeah. on their body so or lanolin, lanolin. Uh, which I like because it reminds me of New Zealand I smell like a sheep yep and uh, that actually, it's, I think it's more psychological, but you're adding an another impermeable layer to your, your body. Um, the, most, the, the reason I use it is it because it stops chafing. Yep. So when you are moving your head, you know, thousands and thousands of times, it, uh, your neck chafes just because of like the little hairs on the back of your neck. Yep. Um, but some people don't use that. I put zinc on uh, to protect from the sun. Mm-hmm. But really, when that's the least of your worries when you're on these swims is sunburn. Yeah. Um, and uh, can yeah, you wear a cap? Can just you? a regular swim cap, lycra, yep. silicone. Okay. Uh, and earplugs, if you like. You're not allowed to touch the boat. You're not allowed to touch the boat. You the you're not allowed to have any physical contact with your crew. So they uh, throw you a drink bottle because you have to have sustenance of during course, these swims, yeah. and it has to be viscous because you can't chew and swim at the same time. So it's like you're a pet seal. They throw you a drink bottle on a rope. You guzzle it down and they reel it back in and um but you know that contact is is limited to just seeing them and uh, when you are so vulnerable just to know that someone's looking at you yeah so the the people on the boat are, are carefully chosen and um you know but that boat is right next to you yeah. and one of the swimmers said that he said you know you're in so much pain and there are times when you want to quit um, but that's when you have to sort of pull your mind back and I love that challenge but all you have to do to quit is just touch the boat and it's just 10 feet to your and left it's done, it's done. I, I saw this video with you and you're in the water and and someone yelled out to you just swim just swim mm, you know how swim. to swim yeah. just swim and then yeah. you sort of went back to swimming yeah. again yeah as, as if you needed a reminder that yeah. oh yeah you're yeah. right yeah well i gotta do is swim just okay. swim yeah because and those sorts of like suggestions like they seem very basic but uh you you enter a state of complete vulnerability and i find that really um it's a very spiritual space because mm you are just a single body in this body of water and anything can happen to you at any one time and that's why going into these swims i've taken a very spiritual approach because i i feel like i am just a guest in their living room mm. um and so i like to say shark inhabited because it's their living room but it's i i do feel very fortunate to go yeah. pass through these stretches of water because as humans we're ill-equipped we're, we're not supposed to be in this water and so I really I just sort of say you know I, I just hope for a safe passage and it's still very 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 scary and there are times when I just decide to look on my so the boat will be I'll be swimming on the starboard side and I'll choose just to look on the left because if I look on the right I'm going to see what's coming towards me but mm. um, I've never had I've never seen a shark I mean, I've seen one in an aquarium, but I've never seen a shark in the ocean. So I think we have two more swims to make up the seven, right? Yeah, so there's, uh, yeah, so the North Channel, the English Channel, Sugaru Strait, Molokai Channel, Strait of Gibraltar, and... Cook Strait, and you said, and... What am I missing? 
I'm missing one. Is there one missing? Oh, Catalina was Catalina was the other one. Oh, Catalina. Here we are in Southern California. Yeah, the one that's just right literally outside. I'll be right back. I'm just going to hide under a Yeah, wow. Catalina. That's 23 miles or something, isn't it? 20.2. miles. Um, And that one, I had uh, an entire cavalry of dolphins. It was thousands that just just came out of nowhere and... uh, it was just like you almost had to like wait at a zebra crossing and wait for them to pass the street because they were there was thousands of them and that's when you start at at, at Catalina at night yeah at, at midnight and in that water even though it's the middle of the night it is crystal clear and you get bioluminescence that just sparkles off your mm. fingertips and i i tell people you know this is the closest thing I'll ever get to being an astronaut um, because you are just in this grand expanse of this abyss, really. And you see like a jellyfish just sort of float on by and um, and then you'll get something that hits you and you're like, okay, what's that? And seals feel like a warm sack of potatoes <laughs> and their whiskers tickle. <laughs> are you serious that they're coming that close to you? Yes, yes. Oh, they're so curious. Again... Like the dolphins are just like, I don't know what she's doing it's in here. She could just be on the here. boat with the rest of her people. Yeah. Um, but I've had, uh, not on my long swims, but my swims in Aquatic Park in San Francisco, I've had a baby seal follow me. And you know, when you, you kick, you're on your stomach and the whiskers just like tickle the back of my feet. And I keep telling them like, hey, stop that. I'm ticklish. But they, they just, they're just, it's just this curiosity. And I know I sound like a 12 year old, but um no, another, I, another thing I love about these swims is it just connects you with a playfulness that as adults we lose. Yeah. We lose that ability to really look around and be like, oh yeah, that's just like a dog mermaid, that seal. And and to have these interactions with nature, um, especially when you know we're such a technology-saturated lifestyle, to be out there and feel like you're thousands of miles away from civilization. I mean, Catalina is you know, just over 20 miles away, but you could be you know, at the end of the earth. And then you just come back to your regular life. And I love it because it's a sort of explorer lifestyle, you know, a la 2018. And, and all of this might never have happened if it wasn't for a, a pivotal moment in mm-hmm. your life where mm-hmm. you almost didn't have a life. I yep. mean, right? Here I was rushing to a job that I really wasn't into. Um, Nevertheless, I was rushing and I was wearing clothes that I I probably spent way too much money on. I was I look back and I'm like, I was a different person then. And I, I slipped down my staircase where I was living. I think my heel got caught in my pantsuit, came careening down where I lived with a boyfriend at the time. I hit my head and my right leg just whacked this big ceramic pot that I had this beautiful plant in. And... I, I was a ballerina um, as a child in New Zealand and I I do have a very high pain tolerance and add that with a little bit of stubbornness. I just thought, well, i got to get to work. It's just going to be a really bad bruise. It's, hey, called, bruise. it's called adrenaline. <laughs> it's called adrenaline that makes us they do say, things. They say women have a higher threshold of pain. I'm thinking yeah. this might be proof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't break any bones. But what happened was uh, it's from blunt force trauma to a limb. It could be your arms or your legs. Your, the pressure starts to build up in your compartments. You have four compartments in your, in your leg. And my leg just started to swell. Um, and it wasn't until I, had, I eventually passed out from the pain. My next memory is being in hospital where they are, they've already operated. And I am in the bed and I, my, my right leg is elevated and it's, I mean, it's just so swollen and there's photos that have done the rounds. Um, it's a rare condition um, and it can cause death or um, amputation. So I, they think I was about 30 minutes from losing my right leg from the knee down. And I, up until that point, I thought I was pretty invincible. I'd never even sprained my ankle. I had never broken a bone. So I was in this state of shock and disbelief. I'm immobilized, staring at my leg. It's wrapped in bandages. It's huge. And they are telling me that basically there's 1% chance of me walking unassisted again. So they saved my leg. Uh, The next risk was infection. 
so it could have still been amputated and then it was like how do you get your functionality back and I, I just remember that moment so much because I'd been I'd heard that people have these defining moments in their lives and I didn't know it at the time but I I just knew right and there and then that this was not going to be my life and at the at that time I was a real gym rat I liked you know I was obsessed with being skinny and you were 30 working out yeah I just turned 30 right. I remember being terrified of turning 30 and this happens um, but I was I was obsessed with like looking good and here I was just what I'm not gonna be able to exercise I'm not gonna be able to wear heels like I have an ugly leg, you know? I mean, these are the superficial things that went through my mind. And they had to take a skin graft from my thigh to patch me up because the holes were so big. So they, they, they cut me. Where they cut you to relieve the pressure? Just to relieve the pressure. And you're left with these two big cavities. And, uh, you know, I had hyperbaric treatments, so it's uh, intense oxygen um, to prevent infection. And then I put everything into my recovery. I didn't work. and. I didn't know how I was going to find my way out. I, 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 it was just like, here's this massive task. And, you know, it always eats away in your head when someone's saying, well, we don't know if you're going to be able to do it. But for me, that's a, that's a driving force. But, but you, you've said that it wasn't just the gift of them saving your life and then saving your leg, but the gift that it gave you in terms of what it did for your life, right? Yes. That ironically, yeah. this thing that was going to take away yeah. ends up giving... It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Which is yeah, at the crazy time to I hear, yeah. right? Yeah, and so I guess I feel like I love to tell people that you know we are all going to go through traumatic events, and they're not going to be the way we think they might um, unfold. But I know, and I hope that most people can look back at one point in their lives and look back at that moment, that pivotal moment, and say, you know what? At the time, I thought that was the worst possible thing that could ever happen to me because at the time, it was. I went down some very deep dark holes with my head and um, but persevered through thanks to a lot of help from friends and this routine of physical therapy but I really I can put my hand on my heart and um, I mean shout from the rooftops that that was the best thing that ever happened to me it changed the course of my life I uh, I learned how to swim but it wasn't it was about finding myself you lost your identity I, overnight yes, right yes and yes. you said I, there's a quote you said um I faced a mountain. I didn't know how I was mm -hmm. going to climb it. Yeah. Right. So suddenly, you're this beautiful young woman. You just turned thirty. Your life's yeah. ahead of you. Yeah. You're, I thought I was sexy and cute, and you know, wore all the right outfits, went to the right oh, parties. You were, and, and, you, right, and then your life just. <laughs> but that's that was my focus then. Right. And that, I look back, and that's and that's so what you thought was important then. Yes. Right. But it's not. Right. And here I found myself into a sport where a little bit of fat is a good thing, and in fact, if you were that skinny, superficial woman, you wouldn't survive in the water. And so it's it was a mind shift. But I I, I didn't re I didn't do these swims to set records or to become the first New Zealander to do this and that. I, I'm I'm proud as a Kiwi girl to um, to have done that for my country. Um, but that wasn't what it was about for me, and it's still. But who convinced you then to get into the water? How does somebody convince you? Oh, I've got a great idea. Yeah. Let's go for a swim in freezing cold water. Yeah. Well, it wasn't it wasn't sold that way, but uh, well, yeah. no, that wouldn't have worked. No. <laughs> How'd they sell it? Yeah. So after two years of physical therapy, I I was really still very stuck. Yeah. Um, Mentally. And physically, I was disappointed that I'd put all this work in and I wasn't yeah. perfect. I want perfection, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was how I chose to live my life. I want everything to be perfect. And I had done all this work and I still had to wear an ankle foot orthotic, which is a leg brace. I just gravitated towards swimming and I got in a pool and uh, just but started. you don't remember how it came about? Like where somebody said, was well, it part of your physical therapy or? Well, this was, so I was in a pool and yeah. then there were two guys at the pool that coached some of the sessions next to me. Okay. And they just said, hey have you thought about swimming in the bay and uh. so i showed up in this swimsuit and i mean i must have been 120 pounds soaking wet i had lost all muscle tone and i, I wore a thermal cap self-conscious hugely self-conscious very self-conscious because i had this huge scar and still to this day it's kind of like my thermometer it goes purple when i'm cold so i'm oh. like am i really cold oh yeah oh, it's yeah. purple i'm cold okay um and you know i i i didn't look the way I wanted to look, but I was like, okay, I'm going to show these guys. And they videoed it because they thought that I was going to chicken out. 
and I didn't. Um, and I got in. I will never forget that day because it was November of 2009. So it was winter. In, in winter. San Francisco. And it, there was, the sun wasn't shining and I got in and I did a few strokes and I look at that video and it's just, I'm like just splishing and splashing. And, but I got out there and I just, I just remember like my cheeks hurting because I was just grinning. I, um, and I'll never forget that, like even telling it, like my heart starts racing because I just felt alive. I'd been on pain meds for two years. I had been a patient, labeled as a patient. And here I was, nobody knew who I was. I wasn't a patient in the water. I was just Kim. And then like a seal pops his head up and I'm just like, and then I could see the Golden Gate Bridge and then these old historic boats. And I knew it was just absolutely crazy, but I was just like, I feel great. And then I felt really cold and had to get out. Do you think the guys saw something in you, like some kind of gift? Or do you think maybe they just wanted to show you this world that they thought you might like? I think the latter. I, I, um, I think they were just proud to show it off because it is like this. There are two swimming clubs there, the Dolphin Club and the South End Rowing Club. They're side by side. They're rivals and they have a slightly different culture. But everyone who goes through these doors, they're historic buildings, there's these old boats. It, I tell people it's like the secret society of adventurers and everyone has a job. They're a judge, they're a teacher, they're a plumber, construction worker, and that doesn't matter. But it's just sort of, they were like letting me through the secret passageway into this wonderland. And they were so proud to show me. And um, then I, I guess they didn't realize, but I got, I was hooked and I began swimming in that bay every day. And you know, it's a cross-section of society. There are 80-year-olds that get in the bay. There's a woman named Mimi Osborne. She's 81, 82, and she just saunters on down to the water. And I tell you, everyone can tell you they're cold when they get in, and they're always questioning, like, ooh, should I be here? When Mimi blasts past you, you're just like, oh, shoot. No excuses. <laughs> yeah, I have to get in the water. And she never hesitates. She just, like, saunters on through. And uh, I, I really believe it keeps a lot of those old people young and um, it's wonderful. You, so it's just this community that's so special and I think they just wanted to share it. it and I'm it grateful is, they did. It is another world. Um, but this is the quote you said. One thing I've always noticed is that when I'm back on land, all the signposts say, go to the right, go to the left, slow down. Mm. It's all so controlled and, and prescribed. Yes. When I'm out in the ocean, it's endless. I'm creating my own path. It's yes. this adventure. It's this magical space. I'm weightless. I, I Like I said, I, I feel like a modern day explorer. This is the closest I get to be, like I said, an astronaut. It's, it is this endless space. I am completely weightless. And I'm not, I would be lying if I said that the, the, the risk factor wasn't an allure mm -hmm. um, and in, in some cases perhaps a little intoxicating, but it's always calculated. So um, it's an, I don't feel like I'm doing anything irrational. Right. But it is the space that also few people have had the opportunity to experience. And I'm not saying that to put myself on a pedestal. I'm saying that I feel honored. Yeah to have experienced that. So I always feel like it's a, it's a duty to come back and give my report you know, yeah. and tell people that the space exists, like it really does. And, you know, to have seals and sea lions swirl up around me and pop their heads up and just sort of look at me and know that I'm a friend. I, I do maintain that I am like everybody else because we can all be the best versions of ourselves. It mm. just takes someone to believe in you um, and it takes a community to rally around you. And you, the, the great thing about these clubs is no one ever questions your idea. It's always like, that is a great idea, even if it's absolutely nuts. They're like, that's a great idea. Because can of I the help? mindset of the people. Yeah, because it's going back to that like stretching. You're like, oh, I can stretch a little bit further and look at that. And it's, I wish that for everybody because as we get older, we, we, we become very stuck in our ways and I'm guilty of that myself. But we forget to grow. We forget to try to something be children new. and, and yeah. use our imagination. And yes, when you when you start swimming, in the beginning, it's just recreational. You're just yeah. doing it to, to get fit. You feel yeah. alive again. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. do you decide? I want to try something a little further. I want to push yeah. myself. I want to yeah. reach out a little bit further. When, when did yeah. that happen? Well, I, at these clubs, they have the um, largest number of English Channel swimmers in any club in the world. Both these clubs combined and. I started to put faces to the names that were on this bill, this board in, in one of the rooms. All the fame. All the names, English Channel. And I was like, 
that's John just standing wow, next to me on the, the beach. The guy that I swim with every right. day. And these became my superheroes and I just wanted to be like them. And I didn't really, there was no sort of initial plan. It was just, I just want to feel what they got to feel. Mm. And um, so I started off and I, my first open water swim was from Alcatraz to San Francisco and we did it on my 33rd birthday and we called it the first annual so it is possible to escape from Alcatraz yes, to I do San think Francisco. they escaped yes. do you think they escaped yeah, I think they did okay I think they did I just wanted is this to the check. history channel oh, yeah. <laughs> so it is possible <laughs> I think it is because I've been out to Alcatraz yeah. and on the boat yeah and when you're going out you see the currents are swirling all yeah. over the place yeah. incredibly intimidating yeah. yeah but we 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 work with the currents and yeah. also um so you want to go across when it's sort of slack which is that the 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 pause between the ebb and the flood um, or else you sort of get pushed north and pushed or pushed so west. So when the east. tide is, it's, 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 it's half tide. Yeah, neutral. Neutral, neutral tide. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, I think it's possible. They were pretty motivated to, to get out of there. And yeah. I can tell you when I've been in the water there, there are days when you're pretty motivated to get across because you're like, I want the shower and I want the sauna. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did that on my 33rd birthday and called it the 33rd? first. 33rd? 33rd. Yeah. Called it the first annual Kiwi Invitational Escape from Alcatraz. Okay, nice. And we had. Um, How's that going, by the way? What's the membership like? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, party of one. Party of one. <laughs> but there are people that swim. There are. There's a woman who swam Alcatraz over a thousand times. Okay, so so you do that swim, mm -hmm. and you're motivated to to do these to do these big yeah. swims. Um, yeah. And what? It just one goal leads into another. You just yeah. get sucked up into it. Yeah, it was just like, well, I did that. Maybe I'll do this. And then I'd done, you know, a few of these Ocean Seven without really realizing. And so I was like, okay, I've only got a few more to go. And um, the last one almost killed me. The last of the seven was the North Channel to Scotland, and I got stung hundreds of times by jellyfish. And, and, and am I right that you got stung so much that the venom was in your body to the point where it was making you throw up because there was so much venom in your body? Yeah, I ended up with pulmonary edema. <clears throat> I almost died. Um, I was in a respiratory ward, then flown back and put in a cardiac ward in San Francisco. But I would do it all over again. I would do all you over again. You are a little over. nutty, you know <laughs> I mean, in a good way. It's, we love having people like you on the yeah. planet, but you are a little insane. But I wasn't like this. I wasn't born this way. <laughs> well, maybe you were and you were just suppressing it. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm, le I'm still learning and I'm not done. And, and then there was a swim from the Farallons that I yeah, wanted to do. Yeah, now this swim from the Farallon Islands. Look, I think it's 10% of all shark attacks in the world are attributed to this area mm -hmm. around the Farallon Islands. Mm -hmm. And these are these islands that are off the coast of... Of, of California mm -hmm. or San Francisco Bay and then this is a breeding ground for sharks this is for great whites not yes. just sh not just sharks or yeah. sharks as they say in America sharks sharks, sharks. as we say in New Zealand <laughs> but we're talking a breeding ground for, mm -hmm. for sharks yeah. sharks and you decide you're going to swim from these islands what is where did what I mean what uh, on how much earth? time you got uh, yeah and this is a swim that very few people have yes. done yes, yes how many yes. people on the wall at your swim club have done this there's four four people in the world that have done it three four men and people myself in the entire world mm -hmm. yes and the the first person um by the name of ted erickson he did it in 1967 and he's he lives um in chicago and didn't he try twice he in did. 1966 yes he did and he failed twice yes. so and he then, went back <laughs> and he goes back a third time in 67 because he knew what it was all about he said he knew but, what but he didn't well he but didn't i read that he didn't even know that there were sharks no. out there. <laughs> but they had a shotgun on his boat. And I, I mean, I, you know, I love sharks. I think they're beautiful. Um, you know, they're apex predators and yes. they're part of the ecosystem. But back then it was like, wow, you just shoot, yeah. a, shoot a, a shark. So yeah, he went back and, and, and finished it. And he said, you know, I, I, had, I had unfinished business. And I think all of us in that community can relate to that because you have to go finish what you started. And it's for you. And he finished it. Mm -hmm. So four people on the planet yeah. have swum from the Fairline mm -hmm. Islands. Yes. You being one of them. The only woman. The only woman. Well, yeah. but just the fact that you're in this group of four yeah. people, regardless yeah. of being man or woman, whatever, right. Right. human beings on the planet. I mean, more people have walked on the moon than have swum from the Fairline <laughs> Islands back Doesn't to San Francisco. <laughs> Think about that for a second. And then you had a you had a training partner who was who was sort of like yeah. your lead swimmer. What was yeah. he your trainer or just I trained with him, Simon Dominguez, yes. and he tried uh, two weeks before me and got circled by a great white shark. And his and wife that kind of stopped him. It did because his wife was on board and one of his daughters. Yes. And you remember I spoke about the lanolin yes. chafing. Well, he was in the water for eighteen hours and. 
that's that's all gone by then and so he was bleeding and the shark was curious so this is a great lead up for you you've now thinking that you've got to go do exactly the same thing and you know that he's being circled by a great white and and the part that i i do sort of have to i I should probably have a sanity check every now and again maybe monthly but that i really still wanted to do it and he said that if i finished it it would make him feel like he had completed it and he's from australia so we had this the banter but Vito Biala, who um, was a captain of the boat, who was really the first person who believed in me with all of these swims, uh, he never doubted me for a moment. And wow. it became, I had to sort of created a little bubble because a lot of people were saying this was stupid. And saying he, it was stupid, why? Because of the, risk the sharks had come back earlier. So there's a the period of time where there's, there are sharks there year round, yeah. but they come back August, September. And October is called Sharktober. I still struggle to connect with that experience because um, though I'd done relay swims out to those islands where it's six people, you swim for an hour, and they have really become this spiritual place for me. They are just this jagged outcropping. I think of them as the Galapagos Islands so of California. Rugged. It's yeah. so rugged and barren and but there's, bleak. There's, but the wildlife there, the seals and the sea lions and all the seabirds. And the great whites. Yes. Yeah. I've never seen one there. Never I've, seen one. Never but seen one. Um, so I'm told they're there. Can you give us some sense of what this swim was like? So you, yeah. you go out to the island or do you swim to the island? Yeah, so I jumped in at the Farallons at 11.15 at night. And again, that, <sighs> that was based on my swim speed. <laughs> in the pitch black. Yeah, the yeah. and I, I mean, I, la- I, you know, I laugh about it, but it was... It was black the, water, you're just jumping oh, into black water. Yeah, it was the scariest thing I've ever done. And, and <sighs> I, but that's something I need to grapple with in my head because... In this community, we're very goal-oriented people, and yes. it's like you're a racehorse with blinders on. And there are, I mean, there are many sports like that as well, where Ugh. you have to really weigh up the pros and the cons. And I can you tell me what the pros were? Because the cons <laughs> seem obvious to me, yeah. but the pros were. I just feel like I've I've just been so my life is is so rich because of these experiences, and it's not. The, the achievement, it's not the saying, yes, I swam the English Channel. It's the actual journey um, mm. leading up to it where you are, you're like a cat on a hot tin roof Yeah. in the days leading up to the swim and you're so emotional. And then really what I was most worried about was failure. I had made it public. There were news crews. There were people tracking me on GPS Your mum came from New mm-hmm. Zealand, right? She did, yeah. W- w- did yeah. she try to talk you out of it or was she 100% supportive? She was there for me. She was there for me. And I think... Again, it's when you set your mind to something, having those people that don't place even a, a, a crumb of, of doubt in your mind. Um, and so I had this group of people that just sort of nurtured me through this journey. But I can tell you when I was taking that boat ride out, which is about two and a half hours out there, and you're looking at San Francisco disappear. And you know you've got to swim back yeah, that other and, way. Yeah, and I was most afraid of getting to the islands and what if I can't get in? How embarrassing is that going to be? That's what I thought. Wow. Um, but I remember sitting on the stern, the sort of platform at the back, and I kissed everyone and said goodbye and thanked them. And again, it's like I'm so grateful for all of them. And I, and I didn't do this alone, but I was having this moment where I was sort of, I had my feet up. I didn't want to put my toes in the water, and the water's sort of lapping sort of invitingly at my toes, sort of <sighs> come hither, come hither. And it's pitch black, and... The sea lions, they're sort of barking, and I think they're placing bets as to whether I'm going to get in and what's going to happen. They're just sort of, okay, well, I'll put 100 on that one. Um, and I'm sitting there, and I really, that was the scariest decision I made in my life because oh, up yeah. until that point, I could have backed out, but I didn't want to. And then my mom just sort of pops her head over, and she's like, well, hurry up then. And I'm like, Mom, I'm having a moment here, please. But everyone was so amped up. It was just like, okay, let's just... Let's Get this but maybe going. you needed that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it was just so was like, real. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, come <clears> on, <throat> who says that to their daughter? <laughs> wow. Okay, so you wonder where I got my problems from. Yeah. Um, and then just getting in the water, it was like I didn't know if there was going to be a great white just swimming along. When I got in, I was like, oh, okay, I'm still here. And then, you know, you you hydrate a lot for these swims, and this might be TMI, but all I could think of at that point was I really need to pee. Yeah. <laughs> And you just, that attracts sharks, doesn't it? Yeah, so you yeah. just don't, you don't, like I was like, okay, well maybe I splashed a little bit too much and no, okay, nobody's coming. 
okay, next thing I need to do, but I, I, I had to wait and you might think I'm certifiably crazy telling you that, but these are the things that go through your mind. I, yeah. And then you, you, it just, you enter this very primal state of being where your senses are heightened. And yeah. even though it's dark, the water is clear. And, you know, I was worried about the jellyfish and they were just sort of three or four feet below me. And, you know, I get, I, I, I'm mesmerized, mesmerized by that bioluminescence. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it is. And so then you enter this sort of, dream state and so you go into like a zen yeah yeah, zen yeah. Dream but state. for the first three or four hours it's three oh, four hours yeah it's like oh what did i bump into oh no no, no. okay well, it's just seaweed okay okay oh and then you say i'm cold i'm cold no, no no i'm not i'm warm and that continues and then you you go through these um really dark patches everybody does and it's usually around the eight hour mark where you're really like i can't do this this is crazy you're like <laughs> you're you're Self, you're supporting yourself in the water now for eight hours, and how long does this go on for? This one? seventeen hours and twelve minutes. <sighs> to be fair, I didn't have any plans that Friday night, so you know. wow. <laughs> so you, you've achieved all these incredible records. You're up on the wall now at the Dolphin Club in San Francisco. Yeah, you've achieved that goal. Yeah, you've swum from the Fairlawn Islands, um, and you're still so young. Obviously, you love what you do. So, what's what's next? What do we see from you in the future? So I, after the Farallons, I tried another swim uh, that wasn't successful because of the, the wind conditions. I was trying to swim from Sacramento to San Francisco. Mm. I was doing that for charity. So a lot of my swims, so I've raised over $1.7 million for Amazing. veterans organizations, um, Semper Fi Fund, Navy SEAL Foundation, and Warrior Canine Connection as group swims and also on my own. Uh, so making these swims more than about myself. Yeah. But I have been pursuing another athletic endeavor that I'm not ready to share yet. So it's, 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 uh, what should we say? Um, watch this space. Yes. Yes. This, this space. Listen right out. Here. Maybe you'll come back and you'll talk about that. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to. I, I, I do feel very proud as a Kiwi. Yes. Um, and very proud as a woman because I, I think I get the most joy about talking, you know, sharing my stories with little girls and, yeah. and, and seeing this sort of spark of possibility just ignite in their heads. So what would you say to people who are listening, watching, who maybe feel like there's something missing in their life, they want more? Mm. You know, the, the mm. this podcast is, is all about tick it before you kick it, and yeah. you have lived that, right? Mm. I mean, you've ticked off so many things on your list, and you haven't finished. No, I'm not done yet. Um, but what do you say to those people who, who have a list, maybe, and or they're thinking about a list, and they're just not ticking things off those mm. off their list? What, what do you say to them? Well... I hope people do have a list of things they want to do because life is pretty amazing and we all deserve to do things that make us feel good. And I know that I've been personally been continually surprised by what I can achieve. And if I feel that way, I know everyone else can feel that way. And it's about being the best version of yourself, doing something especially that you didn't think you could do because I guarantee when you achieve it, you'll have a sense of pride that nobody can take away from you. Mm. And life is not uh, a straight linear line upwards. There are ups and downs and there are some deep, deep valleys. Mm. But if you can achieve these things for yourself, the little things you tuck in your back pocket for when you go through trying times, you can say, you know what? I did that so I mm. can get through this. And it's not about boasting. It's not about um, you know publicity. It's about doing something a little treasure for yourself and mm. nobody can take it away from you for the rest of your life. Beautifully said. And I think one of the things that I've learned also from listening to you is just the idea of taking little steps, you know, one yep. step to another step. Yep. The idea that you mm -hmm. were open to going down with the guys to have that swim that you were going to prove to them that you were going to get in the water yep. and then being inspired by others to take another yeah. little step and another yep. step. Yeah, And I was just fortunate to literally fall into a community of people that said yes and opened you know just had their arms open to you and yeah. pulled you into their world yeah and like i said that's my church but you know there are people that do go to church and those are your communities and those are the people that you can rely on to support you and so if there is something that you're thinking about doing find a group online that's doing that yeah. um avoid the naysayers but put be be in an orbit with people who inspire you and help you yes. be the best that you can yes. be and they're there they're there yeah. you just have to commit to doing this for yourself because i guarantee when you decide you're going to do it you will find the right people and um well in you i believe that 
Yes. And you absolutely Thank believe you. that. Thank you. Um, really lovely to talk to you. I, I, Thank you for I, letting me talk here off. <laughs> oh, no. Listen, I want to talk to you again. The <laughs> secret uh, challenge. It's cooking. It, that's cooking away. Uh, <laughs> whatever it is that's brewing. I yes. want to hear about it later. Yes. Um, I have no doubt. We'll get you back again and talk. Um, Thank you. So... We end the podcast with asking a couple of pertinent questions. Okay. Um, the first one would be uh, a road trip, mm-hmm. uh, maybe across America mm-hmm. or maybe the length of New Zealand. It, mm-hmm. it could be anywhere. A, a nice long road trip. Okay. And you're allowed to take three companions with you in the, in the car. And they can be people from any time in history, mm-hmm. uh, dead or alive. Ooh. And... Uh, you know, an interesting combination of people that you think would be fun to hang out with and talk with. I think um, Robin Williams would oh, be one Robin of them. Oh, Robin Williams, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just the genius that he oh. was. And also, you know, you always want some you, you always want some humor on a long road trip. Yeah. In case there's these awkward silences. Uh, exactly. Gertrude Adderley, so she's the first woman to have ever swum the English Channel. Um, because she paved the way for female marathon swimmers she wore a wool suit and she had duck fat on her and i can't even imagine the the obstacles that she had to endure and the other person would be uh, andy warhol oh i'm a big fan of his artwork and again another person who has faced challenges and um you know he articulated them in, in some healthy ways, some unhealthy ways, but yeah. geniuses and people that, uh, you know, I hope we would continue to see. So a very eclectic three people. Yeah, um, I think it'd be an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your last day on earth, if you knew you had your last day on earth coming and you could plan it, what would mm-hmm. you do? Uh, I'd probably be drinking champagne at the Farallons while dipping in my birthday suit with the seals and sea lions. Wow. Mum, I hope you're not listening. Wow. Why not? Because I'm okay. going to get eaten by a shark at some point. <laughs> you'd <laughs> then probably, that's my last you'd day. swim it again. <laughs> Go on, I dare you. I'm like, I wait, let you. me take a swig of champagne. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. What? Oh, you got teeth? Okay. Awesome. <laughs> you can open this. Open the champagne. Kim, thank you so much. <laughs> thank for, you so much. For joining it's just me. a delight. Really, yeah. really appreciate it. Proud and, Kiwi. Yeah, and I'm going to be uh, looking out for this new adventure of yours, whatever it is. Thank you. You can watch this podcast online at philcogan.com. And let me know what's on your bucket list. You never know. You might be my next guest. Don't forget, ticket before you kick it.